Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back. Welcome to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. And we often like to start with listing a thing that your teenagers will not tell you. And sometimes your teenagers will not always be super available or excited to tell you about their grades. So that's today's topic. Today we're going to talk with one another about grades and more specifically, how do you talk to your kid about their grades? How do you talk to them in a way that is productive and constructive for whatever the goal is with regards to grades. Kathy? Yep. Yes, Meredith? Welcome. How are we doing? I am rejuvenated after our orange snack. We did have an orange snack. I felt like I was halftime at a soccer game. Delicious. (laughs) Delicious. And And nutritious. That's (laughs) right. Meredith. You're welcome. I'm surprised we didn't do it in stereo. Kathy, how did your parents talk to you about your grades? Well, they mostly just yelled at me about oh. my grades. Oh, boy. Or they were like – How were your grades? They were good until I got into high school. Mm. And then my parents either yelled at me about my grades okay. or like if they were fine, then I didn't hear anything. Mm. Okay. Right? So like most of my life I didn't silence hear Silence or Mostly yell. silence. Like that is acceptable. <laughs> or screaming. Because look at your horrible grades. Yes. Yeah. How that land for you as a youngster? It was very ineffective okay. when I was in high school. I was a poor student. And I really was not motivated by the screaming. If anything, it I think it demotivated me. Knowing you? Yeah. The rebel. The, the rebel, rebel in you. The rebellious streak. That is wide. I yes. would say that's not the way to motivate a young Kathy Chen. No, it was not the way. My parents definitely would yell about grades and I was just like, oh, you think these grades are bad? Watch. Watch me. Watch me flunk right out of college. <laughs> that's right. I was yeah. like, yeah, watch me. Watch. You think I'm bad now? Just wait. <laughs> just <laughs> wait for it. So – We're recording this in January. Grades came out for most kids like right after winter break. Right. And so we've been having a lot of conversations Mm -hmm. around grades, Mm -hmm. like how did first semester go, right? And we've had celebratory conversations like, all right, high five, great job. Yeah. And I'm sorry. (laughs) That didn't didn't go your way, did it? I've also had – what's that? Oh, surprise? Like, oh, I was like, oh, that's different. Oh, like a good surprise? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Just I mean, some good, some bad. Mm. Both. But sometimes, you know, because often as coaches, right, we're talking with kids right before they, the end of term around studying for finals and 
big exams. And so usually those conversations involve a sort of where are we now check-in, like what are the grades that you currently have in mid-December, for example. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you can be quite shocked by the decline or the rise in a grade Mm -hmm. in a very short period of time. It's true. It's true. And so, you know, I think it is, you know, when I worked in schools, we used to have the advisors, the faculty advisors talk to their students around grades Mm -hmm. and we would do a little bit of coaching. Yeah. And we would do it for parents too. Like, how do you talk about grades? So it's fruitful, productive, it's sticky, and we get everybody on the same page because I think it's really easy. One of the first things I want to say is that I think it's really easy to get stuck on the letter grade or the number grade. Yeah. And make it the conversation all about that. 100%. Outcome. 100%. That we're just talking about the fact that you got to see. Right. Right. And even I find myself sometimes being like, wow, dude, two C's. <laughs> How do you feel about that, right? Yeah, and I don't think that's inappropriate. No, I don't think it's inappropriate. Especially if you get the how do you feel about that question. Right. I do want to make sure when we're having the conversation, though, that we talk about, like, do you feel like that grade was well-deserved? Do you understand how you got this grade? Right? Because it's so interesting. Since COVID, everybody who wasn't on Mm -hmm. some sort of grading platform. Right. Like instant. Digital. Yeah. yeah. Digital, instant, online. Great. Every single grade shows up. Like every kid is basically on that program now. Right. Not every. Some, a lot of prep schools are holding back on doing that. But all my kids at public school. They have learning management much. systems, but they have the function turned off where right. you can actually see, see real time updates. Real time. Right. Yeah. And now, but for my public school kids, well, that shit is real time. They see every single test. Yeah. Every assessment, every homework that comes in, and they can also see like, oh, if I get 89% on the next test, I'll have an A minus, like how it changes their overall. So anyways, there's a lot of – I don't want to get into a conversation around whether that's good or bad, but I know that there's a lot of attention focused Mm -hmm. on these platforms now Mm -hmm. because kids can do grade calculations and they're really focused on the outcome. And they're usually not surprised by their grades if they're checking the platform. And most of them are, right? Unless they're really being avoidant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like how do we have a productive conversation around grades? And so I, as a coach, really want students to like make sure they understand how they got to their grades. Like let's look at overall picture, right? Oh, look, your homework grade, 100%. Test grade, Mm, test average, C, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I would take a step back. So I think the first time, maybe not the first time, but a lot of families or a lot of parents are going to start talking to kids about their grades when grades come out. And I would say, don't do that. Talk about grades with your kids before grades come out. So especially if you're in high school, it's important to help. And this is something I do at the start of the semester is we go class by class. And Mm -hmm. I say, do you understand the grading system in this class, in this chemistry class that Mm -hmm. you literally haven't sat in yet. Mm -hmm. Okay, tell me what percentage is class participation? Mm -hmm. How is class participation measured? Is it literally just, are you raising your hand? Mm -hmm. What kinds of assessments are there in this class? Are they all pen and paper and multiple choice? Or are there a lot of small group projects that you need to do? You know, so really, I think the initial conversations about grades 
It's like when kids sign up for when they sign up for a class, review their courses with them, you know, because this is going to be really good practice for when they go into college and they have to really understand the syllabus of a class front and, you know, from all angles. So that's one thing. And I think it's really about, and then when grades come out, I tend to frame it this way. I mean, first and foremost, don't ask your kids questions that can be answered with a yes or a no, open-ended always. And it's about sort of promoting their own reflection on their academic performance. So I usually sort of preface something by saying, there's two types of grades in my mind. So let's say a kid gets a B in a class. There's two types of Bs. There's the B that the kid gets because this class is really hard. And they have been stretching themselves. Working their asses off. Working their ass off. And they are just like, this is just a hard-ass class. And that's a B to be really proud of and to feel so good about. I see you, A-push. Right. Right. (laughs) Or there's the B that is more representative of effort not ability. Yep. So how do these grades represent your effort? Which grades are you particularly proud of and why? Right? Because the grade they could be really proud of could be the lowest grade on their transcript, right? You know, those are the kinds of questions I like to ask. Do you feel like these grades or this grade is an accurate reflection of your ability? Yep. That's a great question to ask. Absolutely. And oftentimes looking at the evidence, you can tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of times, to be clear, when I ask the question, I already know the answer, but I, it's about asking the question and making them have to do the reflection and thinking about it and owning it. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the thing around grades, I think kids are so hyper-focused about grades, especially in where we live in Silicon Valley, especially at a lot of the schools where we coach kids, mm-hmm. there's this hyper fixation on grades and kids are talking about grades constantly. They're comparing grades constantly. Like after every assessment, there's like, a, oh, how did you do on that test? What did you get for number six? <laughs> did right. you it's very transactional. Well, yeah, that's part of why, I mean, don't get me started on how I think some of that is to be blamed on schools and the lame assessments that are being given to children. Oh, now you've piqued my curiosity. <laughs> if really, I mean, you have. I mean, give us the synopsis. If you have a junior level course and there's still some like multiple choice test, that is really about rote memorization, and it's not really about kind of critically thinking and applying concepts in abstract novel ways, which is, you know, like what they got to do in college, then I believe that that engenders a certain kind of grade grubby behavior Mm -hmm. because it's a type of assessment that is summative, not formative, Mm -hmm. and is easy to game. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. You like that one? You're talking about good teaching. I am talking about good teaching. That's right. I hear you. In other words, so I think there's a tendency in our culture, and certainly when we worked in schools, we would hear a lot of frustration being expressed by other educators about the way that students would show up about grades and how they're, oh, they're so grade grubby. They're so grade obsessed. Everyone, all the parents are obsessed with grades. And while I think there's a lot of truth in that, and that needs to be addressed with those populations, I often would be the person in the meeting basically saying, and what are we doing as an institution that promotes and cultivates that attitude? Right. Because we are making choices too that absolutely engenders those responses. But 
I used to say the same thing. Well, because we're the same person, obviously. <laughs> Duh. Well, I do think that there's, you know, I remember the same conversation at school I used to work at and there's a lot of complaining about, oh, the, the kids, all they do is they care about their grades for college because all they care about is getting to a good college and where are we so overemphasizing grades? Since when was a B a bad grade? I'm like, well, a B is become a bad grade because kids now get sent home a progress report, quote unquote, if their grade drops to a B minus. Well, and a B is a bad grade because independent schools, I'm looking at you, have tremendously bad grade inflation. So a B in an independent school environment at a top tier independent school, you don't see a lot of Bs, right? And so if you see, God forbid, a B minus, that actually is like a D right, in like a 20 years minus. ago, right? And that's because of grade inflation and that's a whole other thing. We should talk about grade inflation. That's a good episode. But back to grades. I think we're getting lost. I think what I would focus on, and I almost want to throw out the word grades and talk about performance or learning you know, what was your learning experience in this class? What did you learn? What did you gain? How did you perform? And by that, I don't mean sort of achievement. I mean, what effort did you display? So when you're talking to your kids about grades, a couple of tips, let them know you're about to do that. So, hey, I know your grades just came out and, you know, let's say it's like a Tuesday night and they just got home from soccer practice and everyone's tired and sweaty and hungry. That's not the time to talk about grades. Mm -hmm. But that is the time to say you're going to talk about grades. You know, I know that these grades just came out. I took a look at them. I want to hear your thoughts about them. What's a good time for us to sit down? Because I know we're all tired and it's late right now and we haven't had dinner. You know, what do you think of this weekend, Sunday morning, right? So that's one thing. Don't pounce on your kids with grades. Don't like pounce on them because you saw the grade update and so you pick them up from school and that's the entire car ride home, right? Give them time to prepare what they think. Give them time to actually think about their academic journey of the last semester. Kids need to process too. They, they do. Need to process their feelings about their grades. They really I watch kids do it in real time when we're checking grades. And they you can just kind of see they're a little bit like Yeah, and the they're headlights. almost always going to immediately go to it's the teacher's fault. And that's something we need to talk about because parents can go there too way too easily in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So pick a time, schedule a time. When that time comes Come with your questions. You know, what are your open-ended questions? So, hey, let's say you have a concern about a particular class. Like, tell me more about what happened in this class. Like, how are you feeling about the grade that you got in this class? Not, I think this grade is bad. Tell me why you got it. But how are you feeling about it? Give me more context. Because parents, you're not in the class day in and day out. They are. So there may be a lot of important context that you just aren't aware of. Mm -hmm. Give them an opportunity to share that, even if you have a sneaking suspicion that the reason they got a, a grade is because they maybe weren't doing something or pulling their weight in some way. I would ask if they think that the grade is an accurate reflection of their ability. And if they say no, you say, okay, how so? Okay, what is the plan? You know, what is one change you could make in this course that would have the biggest impact and bring your grade into a more accurate reflection of your ability, right? Like open-ended, open-ended, open-ended and make them come up with the ideas. And this is, by the way, this is, if you're talking with high school students, right? I think middle schoolers need a little more handholding, but high school students. Mm-hmm. What other suggestions for how to talk about grades with your kids would you offer? 
I would say, you know, oftentimes we think we only need to talk to kids about their grades when they've done poorly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say that it's really important to talk to your kids. Just make it a habit to talk about their yeah. grades anytime. Anytime. Regardless of what's going on with their grades. So, well, maybe not anytime, but – Not anytime, but when – Regardless it, of their performance. Right. It's just a thing we do at the start and end of each term, right? Yeah. Yep. We check in. How you feel you're doing. And if you have a kid who's doing really well, like in terms of grades, like they've gotten pretty much all A's, right? I think it's a great opportunity for them to reflect too about what's really working Mm -hmm. and for you to give them feedback. Like I worry sometimes with my kids who are doing really well, I actually worry that they're doing too much sometimes. Like often, yeah, they overperform. They overperform. They're overprepared. And it's often very, it's quite the tell for anxiety, right? Yes. And I think it's actually because kids are performing and they're getting A's, oftentimes parents will just be like, okay, don't need to have conversation. Everything's fine. <laughs> I mean, the amount of academic struggle can often be a sign of emotional distress, but there are many times where it's not. Yep. And Having those <coughs> debriefs, even when your kid is performing well, is important to just check in and be like, like, we noticed that you're going to bed mm-hmm. at, you know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. some nights. Like, does this feel balanced for you? Like, mm-hmm. are you feeling like you have time for the things in your life? How's your mood these days, right? What's going on? Let me check in around, just make sure things are. What I like, I mean, and I think this is subtle, but it's really important because, and I think, I hope folks who are listening can tune into this. What I like about what you're doing is you already know as a parent that if your child is consistently going to bed at like one or two o'clock in the morning, that's too late. That's bad for their health. You know that. But like in Kathy's example, she's asking the question even she, even though she knows that because it's not about lecturing them. Hey, going to bed at one o'clock, it's really bad for you. You need to go to bed earlier. They know that you know that. It's more about showing kids curiosity mm-hmm. about their interior world. I mean, you'll get a lot of intel when you really ask them good open-ended questions. The other thing that I like to say is that when I see a kid who's struggling in one class, but doing relatively well in the other classes, using that, right? What habits or strategies mm-hmm. are yeah. you using in a push that you believe are making you successful? And how can you deploy those in pre-calc? Yep. What's, you know, help them see that even though the subjects are wildly different, the strategies often aren't. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a student who academically is really struggling, but not struggling in is extracurricular life, but kind of across the board, all of the academic classes, like Mm -hmm. the arts class is doing okay, the PE class is Mm -hmm. doing okay, the leadership class is fine, but every other math, science, English, history, those classes are suffering, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, what's going on in your life that you are so beloved at work? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what lessons Hmm. can you pull from there? Like, when you see a kid who's not really having a lot of academic success, right? I'm like, okay, where can you pull from other parts of your life that are going well? What kind of attitude do you have when it comes to work or football that you don't have when it comes to math? I like the attitude, emphasis, the emphasis. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, because one of the things that frustrates me a lot and I tend to have low patience for is the reason I got this grade is because of the teacher. Mm. Some version of that. My teacher's me. My teacher doesn't like me. Or this teacher of this section of English is known to be harder Mm. than that teacher of that section of English. That's some learned helplessness. We hear versions of that all the time. It doesn't matter what I do. I could work my ass off and it won't matter. And I mean, again, back to our other episode that will come out where we talked about not minimizing these feelings. There are instances where I actually do agree with kids where Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that teacher does sound not great. But guess what? In your educational life, you're going to have great teachers, inspiring teachers, and you're going to have teachers who aren't great. Mm -hmm. Like that is part of it. Mm -hmm. So finding ways to be successful regardless and not immediately looking, you know, a lot of times it's just about not wanting to confront their lack of responsibility, not wanting to take personal ownership over outcome. It's just deflection. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, you know, they'll tell me things and that will be confirmed by parents or the school. And I'll be like, yeah. And I get it. I think as a kid who felt, I'm sure there's tons of research that bears this out too. If kids don't feel cared for, seen, understood, by their teachers, they're not going to want to learn from them. They tend to turn off in those classes, right? Yes. They're not engaging because of the right. personality yes. of the teacher. And so I totally get that. And the maturity level, right? Like in college, I took a Russian politics class. Uh-oh. That well, was not the Russian politics teacher. That was <laughs> professor. I, am, I don't know that he – he was very old then. Okay. <laughs> um, and- Got it. <laughs> I also don't think he's listening to this podcast. (laughs) And it was really, like, I thought it was very interesting material because, you know, I was a political science major. Like, stuff Mm -hmm. like that is interesting to me. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh, boy. Was it hard to focus in this class. Bad bad sign, man? (laughs) It was so bad. It was so monotone and it was so boring and it was so much. It was just, it was bad. And my tolerance for lecture is pretty high. And I was like, oh, boy, this is rough. I'm literally falling asleep. (laughs) But that was life, right? Like, that's college. Like, some of my professors were so inspiring. And they came in. They had all these inventive ways of teaching material. And others weren't. And that's just part of the world of, you know, it's like having really supportive bosses and not, right? Mm -hmm. And so asking students about, okay, how can you improve your relationship with your teachers? Because – High school students that we work with are often so reluctant, again, learned helplessness, to speak to their teachers. And I said, you know, if only there was a person in this situation that could help you who, like, knew what was going to be on the test before you did, I wonder who that could be. And they're like, my teacher. I'm like, yes. So go, What? like, what's the problem? Go meet with them and talk to them. So that's another good question to Mm -hmm. ask, especially around classes where your student is struggling. How many times did you see your teacher outside of class? And the five minutes before a class period or after class period doesn't count. Yeah. That, that's what your kids will say. Well, I talked to them after class. Mm-mm, no, that doesn't count. I mean, before school, during a study block, during a flex period, like actual make appointment, have meaningful conversation with the teacher. So how many times, you know, did you talk to your teachers around this semester? One of the things that I would say just bring in a different perspective as a student with a lot of academic anxiety. Yeah. As a teenager, it's like I did poorly for lots of different reasons, but I also had a lot of math in particular. Like Mm -hmm. 
I have a lot of math anxiety mm. and, mm-hmm. you know, I was not able to face it head on by meeting my teacher yeah. for extra work to ask questions because I wouldn't even know how to ask or because what to talk about. I felt so lost yeah. at that point. It was like, it would be embarrassing to be like, I literally have no idea what's going on in class. And I work with kids, and I'm sure you have worked with kids who 100%. are in that place where they're just like, that's not even. Well, this is another gripe I have sometimes. I remember talking to a science teacher at my previous school about this child that was really struggling in the class. And they were, well, they need to meet with me more. They need to meet with me more. They need to meet. And I kept saying to this teacher, I said, they are willing to meet with you, but you need to understand that like the one time they did, they had no clue what to ask you. They're so lost in this course that they don't even know. They need the teacher. And they feel like they're encountering impatience. Yep. And they were. Like, what's your question? Like, what's your question? What don't you understand? Right. That one. Every time I hear a teacher, it's like, that's why they're coming to you. So a lot of the work that Kathy and I will do in the meetings is actually coaching them on, okay, here are some questions to ask. You know, that's a way to really support your children, especially if they're nervous about talking to teachers or if they feel really lost in a course is to help them come up with like a little speech, a little, you know, step one, step two, step three. Okay. First, I'm going to talk about this. Then I'm going to talk about this, a plan, an agenda for that meeting. That can be really helpful. It takes the guesswork out, can lower the anxiety dial a little bit. I don't want to push tutors on people. I think they can be a really Mm. helpful tool, especially with kids who are really dealing with skill gaps and are lost in classes. Yeah, who need some remediation. Who need remediation. And also, it's great if you go to a school and you can get a lot of great feedback from teachers. Because I have kids who go to prep schools who get like one-page summaries from each teacher every semester or every quarter. Like they get extensive comments about what's going well and what's not Mm -hmm. going well in class narrative, right? And then I have kids at huge public schools who get nothing. Right. They're getting zero feedback. So the only thing that you can rely on is what's going on what the grade says and then what your kid says about the grade, right? And then also what's in the grade book. Like you could see the grade book. These are the grades that you're getting, but you're not getting any narrative comments around like how does your kid show up to class? Are they prepared? Mm -hmm. Are they taking notes? Are they just constantly distracted? Like you need to know some of these things to know if a tutor is appropriate. Are they coming to you for extra – like are they showing up? Like they keep telling me they're going to every tutorial – Right, right. And meeting with you. Um, it kind of begs a, a larger question of when is it appropriate for a parent to reach out to the school or an individual teacher about a grade? Because sometimes mm-hmm. I think when we first talk about that, it can be easy to, you know, I know for faculty and just parents, FYI, this is how faculty can sometimes see it. They can bristle, especially with older kids, at a parent reaching out directly to them before their child has. However, I always sort of pushed on that a little bit. I mean, I agree that ultimately a kid, for most intents and purposes, should be able to get coached on how to have a conversation directly with teacher and parent shouldn't necessarily get involved. But some things to keep in mind. I think age matters here. If you've got elementary school kids, middle school kids, sometimes your kids just are simply not able to articulate why they're struggling. I'm thinking of someone I know whose kid is in middle school, fifth grade, sixth grade, I think sixth grade, struggling. 
And when their parents ask them about, okay, what's going on? Or like, what about that? They don't have the skill to be able to answer that question accurately. And so therefore, the parents do kind of need to conference with teachers to better understand what's going on in the class and so that they can support their kid. Well, let me finish my point around why you might do this and how is this connected to tutoring, Mm. right? Because I think oftentimes parents are operating on not enough information. Okay. They're relying solely on the kid. The kid. Yeah. Who may have a skewed, shall we say, (laughs) perspective on what's actually happening. Well, probably does, even if they don't mean to. Right. They don't have the full story of what's really going on for them. And I think parents very – I mean, how many kids do we work with who have two or three tutors? I have a thing to say about tutors when you're done with your point about tutors. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's great to – you should use your school resources. And I think a lot of parents actually don't even know what they are oftentimes. That's right. That they – aren't engaging with the different resources available to them, regardless if you go to a fancy prep school that costs $50,000 a year or a public school. Right. Right? So I think that piece for parents is actually huge. Education, knowing who to talk to, knowing where you can advocate, knowing when it's appropriate. Like, yeah. I think some parents just don't really even know. Well, let's talk about when, when is it appropriate. When and where it's appropriate. I think it's always – I mean, me personally? Yeah. I think it's – I mean, I don't think you should come in and be like, my son got a D in your class. What the hell is wrong with you? Bar, 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 bar. You know, like the first time they hear from you is when this happens. Yeah. I think it's actually great to be present in your kid's academic life. I think it's good to show up for open houses, right, before shit is hitting the <laughs> fan <laughs> to – Get to know teachers, understand their curriculum, like show that you're making an effort to be a part of your child's academic life. I think that's really important. But I do think it's appropriate if your kid is struggling and you're worried, I think it's really appropriate to reach out and say, we had a conversation, we'd love to have a meeting, you know, and with your kid there. Yeah. I think it's all in how you come across, right? If you come across a guns a-blazing and you believe everything your kid told you about how their chemistry teacher hates them, and you're like, I understand that you've not been giving my child versus- They haven't been getting test corrections from right. you, which is why they- told they, me they, that yeah, yeah, they yeah. tried to see you and you weren't available for three times in a row. Right. Yep, like, yep, yep. do not do that, parents. Don't do come that. in that hot. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Nah. It's not going to benefit you or your child. Yeah. It's also not great modeling. Let's be real. Yeah. It's not how we solve problems, like just like throwing our weight around. But I do think if you want to say like, listen, we we see that they're struggling in this course. We've tried to have a conversation about it. Here's some of the information I have, but I'd like to see, teacher, what yeah. are you seeing day in, day out? You know, what are observations you have? How as parents can we support what you're trying to do in the classroom? That's the right way to be involved, yeah. reach out, express your concern. And build rapport with the teacher also. Because that relationship is really important. Yep. And it's important for kids too. I always like to remind kids. I'm like, by the way, you also need to have a relationship with your teacher and not just when you fail the test. Right? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. You should also be building that relationship. So it's easier to ask for help. What do you want to say about tutors? Oh, (laughs) oh boy. Oh, (laughs) 
So I agree with you that tutors can serve a vital function, remediation, additional support. Sometimes kids need things to be reinforced or concepts to be, they just need more practice. But tutors should be designed to be temporary. And unfortunately, I think the tutoring industry is very predatory and there's a lot of incentive for tutors to always build dependence, right? And so I'm working with a student right now and I've been in conversation with the parents where I said, they're over-tutored. And I know this because the only time they're getting their homework done, even though they have plenty of time outside of these tutoring blocks to do their homework is when they're with their tutor because they become dependent and reliant on the tutor. And what that is causing is a lack of foundational skill building, a lack of study habit skill building, and I can see it. And even the kid knows it. The kid totally knows it. And it's sort of, it's almost like a joke to them, you know, not ha-ha, but they don't deny it. And so it's reinforcing some bad habits. Yes. Are their grades better? Yes. Are they getting things turned in on time where last year they weren't? Yes. Mm -hmm. But they are not building skill. And the longer this goes on, at some point, the tutors are not always going to be there. It's also quite expensive. And you're saying it's a Band-Aid. I think it's worse than a Band-Aid. I think it makes it worse. Mm. It's eroding capacity. It's building helplessness in this particular case. I don't think that's the case universally at all. I think there was a time in which this child needed the volume of tutoring that they were getting. I think they still need tutoring. I don't think the solution right. I think they're receiving too much and there's not titration. There's not sort of letting more slack in the line so they can build more independent study skills. That's the part I have a problem with. Developmentally, it's not healthy. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think it's really, for me, I see kids who are really struggling with the subject and they are just not learning in class. Like- It's not happening for them. The way that the teacher is teaching, the speed at which the class is being taught at, the pace, you know, whatever it may be, the anxiety that shows up for them in class. Some schools have other ways for you to learn. But if you have a teacher who's just not going to change their teaching style and it doesn't work for Which is a lot of teachers. Yeah. Who are just like, this is how I teach this concept and you should learn it. (laughs) Like- Let me just repeat. I have a lot of kids who are like, well, I didn't learn it in class and then I went for extra help and And then I I got taught it the exact same way, which I didn't understand the first time. And so I'm not sure why you thought I'd understand it the second time. Like that didn't work for me. And I think that in those situations, like kids do need a tutor. They need somebody else who can break down the concept for them in a way that actually helps them learn it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. So figuring that out as a parent is important. Like being able to understand what's really going on. It's not It's well, not I just you got to see, get a tutor. The net theme here is be curious, ask open-ended questions, gain context about what's really happening in the classroom environment day in and day out. And I think one of the things that you and I both wrestle with is I hear a lot of parents, once their children reach adolescence, sort of adopt a more, oh, well, they're they're in high school now. They're kind of on their own. Like they've got to sink or swim. They yep. got to figure it out. And yep. there's a little bit of like uh, taking the foot off the gas. And this is the time where that's, you know, you got to keep it right where it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we should also do an episode. I think we can end this episode, but I think we should also do an episode for kids who are really struggling, flunking classes or, you know, like 
how you help kids who are just really struck. I talked to a parent recently, actually, who's experiencing this right now. Mm-hmm. What do you do when your kids are just bringing home D's and F's? That's really hard. And yeah. you're worried about graduation. You're worried about like what right. is really going on for my kid that their grades are so poor. Right. But we won't go there this time. Another episode, (laughs) another time. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I hope this was helpful so that you feel a little more empowered and prepared to talk to your children about their grades when they get them. Yep. See you next time.